0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Simon Anthony and Torty Talks. Here is a little piece about uh, sleeping and twitching as a diary. I really don't want to be typing this. Typing is what I do for all my better web presentations. I'd much rather be doing what should come naturally at midnight. In, indeed, at least two hours before then. And that is sleep. So am I blurry-eyed, staring with one eye closed at a laptop as I sit on my bed, typing. I can't sleep. What a shock. I've not been able to worry about sleeping for well over a year. In fact, all the time I've been suffering from what the best fit to symptoms would be named Long Covid. I've had this whatever since it had a name. I've had ME in the past, and that too was nameless when I first caught it. In both cases, people who've had ME had it. Doctors find the lack of external symptoms uh, leads them directly to diagnosing either an imaginary problem or a totally mental one. Yes, OK, my mental state does play a large role in how I feel, but very much less of a part of the physical twitching play that I'm staging tonight. At least while I'm sitting here, my body's decided not to jerk wildly whenever it thinks I'm getting comfortable and relaxed enough to sleep. I tried resting again just then. No luck. I spent too long getting comfy on this hot night for any opportunity to actually drop off and melt away. Two days later, I'm just getting up. I feel okay. I'm wheezing a bit, but that's normal these days. I twitched a lot last night, and when I woke up too, which is not normal, so I expect I'll get sleepy. But at this instance, I feel capable. How long that shall last, I've no idea. I shall take it gently and see. Two further days later, I awoke on a day that was rather overbooked, being an extra on a film shoot and the first night of the proms. I've written a full podcast about this day, but nothing about the few that followed. I was not totally washed out by the day and night's events, but I think they did take a toll on my brand new reserves. When the following Monday came around, yesterday as I write, I could hardly move, but I had drama teaching to do. Seeing as this is held in London an hour from home, which is the same time distance as the Albert Hall is from home, I thought I could make it to that night's prom, which I did, this time without a suitcase, which, as it turned out, I hadn't needed, even filled with all my possible costume swaps, for my extra film work. I arrived at seven and got a second rather than third row centre spot, but was shattered. Sadly, the music for the performance of the first half was hardly stimulating enough for me to be able to overcome my exhaustion, let alone actually enjoy the experience. So, blaming the reduced size of the orchestra and a conductor who was too laid back to give any guts to the performance, not to mention a terrible new work, I came home missing the Brahms symphony. Worse was to come... I've had a week or more of almost no trouble in that area of twitching, but perhaps the lack of brain power due to the massive amount used up in enjoying the first night, I had started the day badly by bringing with me the wrong pills for my twitching. I discovered this at the start of the drama class. Even worse followed... The students argued a lot. This does not put me in a good mood, although I did my best to hide it. Good thing there's only one week left. I set off for the hall, though, at the end of the somewhat interminable class, in less than buoyant mood. Maybe that's why I had not properly planned the route to the hall. Basically, I got lost. But I was not twitching. And didn't even while I was actually promming standing that started however on the tube on the way home i'm wiped out today and my throat is knackered partly due to the disappointment of a poor prom and the energy spent in attending it but mainly because i twitched the entire night even though i took two belated pills four hours apart twitching stopped at around ten this morning so the only thing i'm capable of doing is complaining about things on the keyboard. I have a new normal. I don't know what it is yet, but I know that what was normal hasn't been around for, um, ever. What was, or when was, normal, anyway? Possibly childhood was the longest period in my life, made slower by how incredibly dull and unpleasant it was for me outside of my home. Nasty feels long. Nasty was therefore normal. Physically, now is nasty, and sometimes I can work with it, consider it normal, but this is hard when he gets better. The problem is he doesn't stay better, but reverts, reminding me of what I have lost after losing my ability to cope with what I've got left. My age feels as if it swings between 60 and 90, sometimes within the same day. I can, but I don't always, wake up feeling really not too bad, so I start my day somewhat forgetting the reality of long Covid. I move without thinking, without careful forward planning, not worrying about trip hazards, potential handholds, certainly not bothering with a stick. I bought my first stick as a prop for a character I played in my first ever adult appearance on stage. I played a retired sea captain, whose name I now can't remember, and I used the stick as an acting and as a physical prop. The steps to the stage were a tad more than my knees would allow, unaided. I I didn't have a lot of lines, but I, like all the actors, was on stage at all times, so a stick was a jolly handy thing to be fiddling with. It was a nice wooden stick. I used it at home when I felt either lazy or pained knee-wise, but I had no continual need for it. It was nice to have. One of the many effects of long Covid is an inability to keep the mind focused. I've lost the thread of how I was going to introduce my current state of health, so I shall just describe it. I cannot just simply move my entire body from one place to another. Everything works as long as I am stationary, but it's movement that's the problem. I can't really tell where my body bits are or where they're likely to end up if I set them in motion. I have to concentrate on whatever action it is that I've been forced to undertake and look into all the potential issues in considerable depth consciously. Uh, This would have always happened in my subconscious, I presume, but that having been a sub to my consciousness, I can't be sure. I can be certain, though, that things have in the past been automatic, are, when the movement is as large as my trunk, a major cause of great mental effort. The physical effort can be reduced by getting the thinking bit done right. Often I shall avoid picking up that piece of paper by attempting to grasp it with my toes rather than bending down. As my age has increased my ability to feel what I have tried to manipulate footwise, but I can still just about do it. The problem then is what I can attempt to do at the next stage of foot paper-picking. Do I try and get it to my hand or transport it wherever I deem necessary? I go for the latter option as often as not, because another aspect of my age is the width of my tongue, in that it won't let me bend enough to reach my foot, even when sitting down. Touching my toes has never been an exercise for me, just a thing that is required when my toenails are too long or my feet need a wash. These days the task is so much an issue that I mention it here. Putting on socks has to be worked up to and then recovered from. Shoes have to be slip-ons, laces being a yard far too far after dealing with both socks. But this is on a bad day, which comes six out of the seven in the weekly options. On day one, which can be anywhere, I can climb the stairs without thought or indeed really noticing what I've done. The rest of the week, though, I have to hold on at least one side of the staircase going up, and almost definitely both sides coming down. Down is the greater problem. I can no longer trust the strength of my legs, ankles, or any of the parts of my foot or other weight-bearing body parts. Uh, They can do many nasty things on the way down. They can simply hurt suddenly. Uh, They can stop weight bearing and leave me wobbling about, depending on my handholds to uh, avert disaster, or buckling menacingly, threatening to give way at any moment and thus force me to go step by step, one foot at a time, hand over hand on the banisters. I have tried mind over matter. It's all being in my mind, obviously, because it changes so fast. Worsening is a negative thought. It can't be physically real, can it? So I force myself to take normal steps or strides. When my aches allow, but then the previously mentioned problem pops up again. I'm not sure where my feet are, and I can scuff my heel on the carpet, which slows my leg movement enough that makes my foot fall short of the next step, catching the previous one and thus destroying my balance. So far the banister rails have held out, but my confidence does not. Until that odd day when I can gazelle-like attempt anything and not require half an hour in the recovery position afterwards. Why and how is this? It is deeply disturbing and no fun at all. Smaller movements are similar, less threatening, but are far more of a frustration than a terminal fear. Making breakfast. I can only do this if I'm the only person in the kitchen. It is hard enough working out where my body may end up after attempting to launch myself from one side of the cooker to the other, let alone react to the movements of another person. I have to freeze on the spot and wait until the coast is clear before replanning the journey. Even then I have to check my balance. This is not dizziness. There is no grey or red mist around getting in the way, but I have to throw my arms out like a tightrope walker, partly so that I can see where they are, but mostly to dampen any random, unrequired wobblings. Sticking out my arms adds momentum to any movement, and that has to be countered, or I shall overshoot my target position.' This complex action is automatic somehow, but it takes up a lot of brain power. Or so I assume, as I find I have none left to remember why I made the motion in the first place. Why did I get here? Was it toast, hand washing, making coffee, swatting one of the million fruit flies I failed to suck up in the vacuum cleaner? Whatever it was has to be reverse-engineered based on the changing situation since my last planning stage. This requires yet more mental strength. This, as I may have mentioned, is in low supply due to the other aspects of long Covid. Switching my memory banks from the last task requires considerable thought. Not only is multitasking a bad joke, but simply changing from one task to the next is about as much as I can manage. If an unforeseen event occurs, all I can do is freeze again until it goes away. I am incapable of dealing with it until I release my brain from the massive task of whatever it was I was trying to do, but by then I would have forgotten anyway. Remembering yet again why I have turned around takes the last of my mental reserves, I have to stop once more to resupply my brain with whatever it needs to be able to attempt the next thought. I can fill in the time by breathing heavily and being angry, upset and often somewhat fearful. This is just the process of making breakfast. I have a job to do. A paid job, actually, too. Somehow I have been delivering acting classes. These are held at a college that is not within walking or affordable Uber distance, so I have to use public transport. Under what used to be normal adult, not childhood, circumstances, I have never driven a car. I hate them so much in all respects other than the mechanisms workings, which I can appreciate, so public transport is all I can manage now that I have given up cycling for my health. Uh, "'Cycling nearly killed me once every six months. Death is banned for the health. "'Now that I live in London and am over sixty, transport after the start of working hours is free. "'I, however, have to be at work often at working hour-time start, so I have to pay. "'I don't see the logic in this other than nastiness.' Anyway, the first thing I have to do after getting through the sock and shoe business and the recovery time required before any further possible thought can be attempted, I set out. With luck, I have packed my shoulder bag with every possible tool for surviving the day. It has to be a very large bag for all the exigencies, but a lack of physical strength, oddly, is not one of my symptoms. I just can't control the power, even though I still have it okay climbing stairs is a different matter sometimes weakness in the legs comes as part and parcel with lack of ability to manage what they ought to be doing here is a real role for the stick to play on leaving the house i shall under no circumstances turn back to collect any missing or presumed missing item My bag has about 20 zip compartments, and try as I may, I can never devise or remember a system for where to put what in the thing. So any desired item could and probably shall be under at least the last zip I look at, but only on the third or fourth cycle round through them all. It is almost definite that I shall have forgotten my mask. We have a pile of new ones by the door, but the chance is high that the pile will be undisturbed as I leave. A previously used one, or many, is often, but not always, inside one or more of the zipped pockets. The hunt for the least used mask can take some time. I don't have much time. I have to get to the bus stop so I search whilst walking. To do this, I must use both hands. What to do with the stick? I tuck it under one arm while fishing around the innumerable zips, pointlessly closing them, but eventually finding a not-too-discoloured mask that doesn't smell all that strongly. I should only close the zips at the end of each search, but I have opened and closed them immediately, and in so doing, walked slower than my already snail-like pace. So I miss not one, but several buses. It is possible to miss more than a single bus, due to the fact that there are so many of them, often in fleets. But the fleets come quite frequently as well, so that's not really a problem. Then comes the fun with the bus. Some sources say everyone should still be wearing a mask on any London transport form of transportation, but quite a few people never have, and they are now joined by quite a lot more who no longer think they should. It's impossible to police such a random law, but I keep mine on all the time. Once in the thing, the tube there is, it's quite nice to get a seat. Here the stick is again quite handy. If no place to rest is unoccupied, an old huffing man with a grey beard and a stick often gets a place offered to him. Once I had three offers at the same time. How do I choose? I go for the one most near to me rather than the first to be offered, as by then I really need it anyway. Next comes the fun in the tube. There are steps to get to it. By the time I reach them, my legs will have warmed up enough for me to be able to take them like a normal human being rather than like a crab. But I still need the stick for safety's sake, if nothing else. I have two sticks. The one I take with me when leaving home is segmented, not the wooden one. More importantly, this one has a seat on one end and a rubber pad at the other. I can use that as a seat in shooting stick mode, or normally, or folded up if space is at a premium, or if I feel stupid using it, which I can do when I'm feeling well. Sadly, that is not often. いや、<笑> Okay, we don't have many young people anymore, but we certainly do have people of multiple cultures, as you can hear from this excerpt from the interval at a prom recently. え<笑> If you do intend to come to a prom's concert, you must be aware there is a severe danger that if you happen to be single, you may find the love of your life and end up generating the next generation of musical children. I thought you ought to be warned. OK, if you like, before I pass out, I've got to go home. Oh, you're not coming back? No, i not. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Sure, <laughs> Yeah, then it'll take down into half of the steps. Oh that'd be kind. Next time I come I should be fitter. Bloody well I hope so but it's been 18 months. Long COVID, you know. Such fun. If you want. Yeah. There are little to take all the to the reading level. Oh yes, yes, see, that's easy to make you remember that. Yeah? There's a loop down to underneath one. I know it's cracked. <laughs> I've heard about that in myth and legend. <laughs> I've been proming since 1974. <laughs> no. thank you very much. That's much appreciated. Okay. Thank you. Much appreciated. Right. Well, yes, it's go- going down isn't so difficult as coming up. But, uh, Yeah, but uh, well, on the first night I didn't have any trouble at all. Thank you very much. Good night, South Ken Tube. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Barking. A rubber-tipped stick can be used as an ever-present tool with which to perform many Covid-preventative procedures. For example, the act of opening a door in Covid Town may not be such a good idea if you have just washed your hands in the appropriate manner and are attempting to leave the facilities. If the door opens out, there is a simple flourish of the stick and the door opens of no infective touch. If it should be a pull, then there is a chance part of the stick can be pressed into service as a hook, although this is more challenging, especially when the brain fog and associated inability to know where the end of the stick is come into play. Going up steps at the tube station is aided, or at least can be, by the normal use of a stick of any variety. Care must be taken, however, if a segmented stick is used in combination with a rubber end padding which is wider than the stick itself. This can become caught under the lip of a riser and render the once solid supportive stick into a far less weight-bearing state should it partially enter folded mode. An upside of this can be the concern of fellow passengers who may, on seeing your fumbling panic as you tend to regain balance, give you the space not to have to touch them as you fall. Entering a bus, or indeed calling one, can be helped by means of a well-positioned poke at the door. When closed, the rubber stops any damage to the bus door and also calls the attention of the driver with a non-metallic thump rather than an aggressive tap. When entering with a large group of other potential passengers, a stick can prevent all but the most deliberate seat-seekers getting to the one you want by blocking their entry as you slowly fill the space. All very handy. What to do with a stick when it is not in use, though, is always a question. If it has won you a seat in a crowded tube, or the tube becomes for after you have sat down, the presence of a stick shows the world that you have greater need of a sit-down than any of them. Folding the thing up, although a far more sensible thing to do, leaves you open to having to ignore the stares of any other passenger whose stick does not collapse. The shooting version of the stick comes into its own when you need to sit, and no other seating area is possible, winnable or near enough to spend the effort on walking that far to get. A prom concert, so named utterly inappropriately by the progenitors as being concerts during which the audience could promenade without being death-wished by people who actually want to hear the music, is the perfect place for the use of such portable seat. Absolute silence and as close to total immobility are the two most important aspects of a prommer while the music is playing. I started my first arena stand in 1975, on a night when motionlessness was not required, expected or indeed possible, the last night. The first night of the next year, and almost all occasions thereafter, save for the yearly end-of-season party, require this invisibility absolutely. I have maintained this art, as such it is, for several decades, but until recently I was not 80 years old suddenly with no warning in a quiet bit. This long Covid-related instant ageing, although so far temporary, is most disturbing, not least for me but also for anyone near my suddenly incapacitated body. I may splutter, crumple, need to sit or wobble from foot to foot, or any number of deeply horrid actions that I loathe in other people. Doing them myself is unbearable to me. Long Covid is cruel. However, I can forestall the worst of these side effects by sitting on the stick's seat. This requires careful and slow silent motion, None of that is often possible for me without total concentration. But I am there for the music, so my mind is torn. Something has to go. That thing has to be my enjoyment of the music. A self-defeating situation if required too often, which was the case the last concert I attended. I had to adjust the seat handle down to a horizontal position without letting it audibly click Then I have to arrange my body such that the stick is under me. This so far has not been the cause of any disaster, but the effort it takes me to avoid the destruction of a hall full of music lovers' enjoyment is greatly taxing. Again, somewhat self-defeating for my own musical appreciation. Just getting the seat under me is only part of the job. I then have to find a balance that allows my legs not to cramp in seconds. Moving feet can generate a scuffing sound, and so again great care is required. Eventually I can get every leg of my tripod correctly positioned. The last concert I was at, however, my right knee had ideas of its own. It kept clicking. So loud was this that I tried to synchronise the painful jolts with the music. I failed, but I had tried. After half a concert's worth of this, I vowed to only attend again, when I am either once more in my early sixties, which chronologically I still am, or get there in time to be able to rest on the rail at the front of the hall. Front row centre is the best place in the entire hall, and to my mind the best place in any hall at all, the Royal Albert Hall being top of all others. The average age of my fellow audience members these days is around sixty. This is due to the passage of time, seeing as how they are all the same people I promed with forty years ago when I started. It is very distressing to see the orchestra and conductor get younger every year as we age and they get replaced. We are not replaced, we just grow older. Until recently, even our own children seldom attended. Possibly because we are there, but also more probably because they have exams to study for. I never bothered with such things back then. I would like to end this piece with some thunderingly good line, clever remark or well-observed statement of fact that strikes the listener as obvious but only after it has been heard. But I've got long Covid, so there's no chance of that. Tickets for concerts at the Royal Albert Hall promenade concert season are available only through the website at uh, royalalberthall.com. And then go for the day and click on proming tickets anytime after nine o'clock. That was one in a series of Torty Talks by Simon Anthony, acting at torty.org.uk.